Hello, and welcome to Lessons in Leadership, a Wilkes Institute podcast. I'm Jessica Von Zastro. And my name is Tyler. And today, we are coming at you with a blast from the Wilkes past and inviting three Wilkes Institute Student Leadership Coordinator alumni back. Our guests for the day are Jose Jacobo, who is currently an RD here at Miami University, Rachel Cleveland, who works as an analyst, and Jordan Perry, who is currently in a graduate program at Loyola University. We will hear about how their experiences at Miami shaped their leadership philosophy and how they apply their own leadership to their current careers. Thank you all so much for joining us today on the Wilkes Lessons in Leadership podcast. We're really excited to have several of our Wilkes alumni back with us today to talk a little bit about what their leadership style is and how that looks in their jobs and careers after graduation. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. So my name is Jose Jacobo. I graduated from undergrad in May of 2018. I got my degree in psychology, a minor in child studies. I liked Miami so much that I decided to stick around for another two years and got my master's in student affairs and higher education um, working as the grad in Emerson Hall um, in the Office of Residence Life, and now um, transitioned to the full-time role of resident director over in Heritage Commons. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So happy to be back and to see all of you. I graduated from Miami in December of 2019, which it feels so long ago now, but was really only about a year for the degree in supply chain and operations management and the minors in human capital management and leadership in Spanish. It feels like such a mouthful to get those, those two degrees out of my mouth. But after graduation, I went to Goldman Sachs. I sit with now the compliance testing group. Uniquely, that was not the job I was hired for. My first day on the team, they lost headcount for the role that I thought I was signing up for. So due to some relationships I made at my internship, pivoted to a different compliance team. And I now do like audit work for our consumer businesses. So Apple Card and Marcus Savings and Deposit. Awesome. Yeah, I'm Jordan Perry, graduated in May 2019. And I graduated with degrees in biology and then a co-major in neuroscience and a minor in Spanish like Rachel. And I have gone into graduate school now since I went directly out of undergrad into a graduate program. And I'm currently a second year in the developmental psychology PhD program at Loyola University in Chicago. And I'm specifically studying bilingual language development. And so I'm currently working on my thesis I should have that done in about a year and then go on to do the actual PhD work. And in this role, I also am the lead graduate student and project coordinator in my lab. Also did some TAing, still figuring it all out. Well, thank you all so much for introducing yourself. I'm going to pass the mic on over to Tyler to ask her first question. Yeah, so this podcast is going to go in conjunction with our students learning about the Leadership Theory Evolution uh, workshop that Jordan and I worked on together during her time here at Miami. So we wanted to touch a little bit on that topic and ask you all what you were involved with during your time as a student and how that shaped your leadership understanding and your leadership style while you were at Miami. Sweet. Um, Yeah, so in my time at Miami, um, I was involved in Alpha Phi Omega Service Fraternity, um, held a few leadership positions in there, and that's really where I dedicated a lot of my time co-curricularly. 
sophomore year, I came on board at the Wilkes Leadership Institute and worked there for three years, got a lot of really neat experience and got my foot in the door for student affairs and higher education. I was also a SOL, which is our student orientation undergraduate leader in 2016, a summer scholars program counselor in the summer of 2017. So all of those things sort of culminated into experiences that made me really fall in love with student life um, and the college experience. I would say my time as a soul and my time in the Wilkes Leadership Institute really solidified like my leadership development um, and let me figure out like what kind of leader I wanted to be, what styles really suited me um, and gave me a voice in that way. Much like Jose, I kept pretty busy during my time at Miami. I um, was really fortunate to be the student director of leadership in the Center for Business Leadership, along with my role as a student leadership coordinator in Wilkes. And then had a lot of fun touring families as, as a campus tour guide, um, welcoming new faces to Miami's campus. I also had an opportunity to serve kind of as the student coordinator for our first year integrated core programming in the Farmer School of Business. And then spent a year living in the scholar leader community and enjoyed a semester abroad in Barcelona. So, you know, more than anything, I really enjoyed, you know, juxtaposing, you know, the business leadership lens from my time in farmer to, you know, how we practice and preach leadership through Wilkes. So many similarities, but also so many differences in how we engage with our student population. And as a student who is involved in both, being in the business space is a constant reminder that we have to just continue to bring humility and kindness and compassion to any space we're in. And I think in particular in business, that's something that can sometimes get lost and is a really great reminder that, you know, we're all human beings first and can push aside, you know, competition and everything else to get the job done. Yeah, so it sounds like I have similarities to both Jose and Rachel. First, I was also involved in Alpha Phi Omega, the service fraternity on campus. I was very involved in the service committee portion of that. So like learning a lot of organizing and delegating skills, but also in AFIO, the importance of positivity and perspective taking and collaboration was a big thing I learned there. And then like Rachel, I was also a scholar leader my sophomore year, and I ended up joining Wilkes my junior year. And that's where I probably gained the most knowledge about like leadership theory and building my own leadership style. Specifically, I worked on impact a lot, which was our retreat. And just learning more about my strengths was a big thing there. Otherwise, I did some research in the psych department, some TAing with the psych department as well. So learning about peer leadership was another thing. Yeah, thank you all for giving us a little bit of context as to what you were involved in during your time at Miami as an undergrad. And so when you were an undergraduate student at Miami, you had to consider the things that a lot of students who are listening to this podcast right now are probably thinking about as well, which is what comes next after you walk across the stage and you get your diploma? What are you doing after that? And each of you are involved in a little bit of a different career path. So I'd be interested to learn a bit more about how each of you decided what you wanted to do after college and how you apply your leadership style to what you're doing today in whatever capacity that might be. That's a loaded question of which I still ask myself every single day. I think when you hear supply chain and operations management and finance, you go, what the heck? Like, is she having an identity crisis? And some days I feel like the answer is yes. I 
I know many of you are so familiar when I was going through my job searching process, I'd come into the office and it felt like I was interviewing across industries and I had really no direction. And the one thing that's become so, so clear to me and, and the reason why I went back to Goldman after my internship was I had really great people and mentors looking out for me. And so it didn't necessarily matter that I barely got through my one finance class and and at Miami and I still don't know the first thing about finance, but I had people in my corner who were willing to to champion for me. And that made it appealing for me to, to take a leap of faith in a direction that I didn't have any confidence in. And so going on a year, no, I don't think I've found my dream job. I don't think this is my forever home, but I've learned so, so much about the business world and how do you compete at a really top level and how do you bring your best self to work even when you're maybe not in the right seat on the bus, as I like to say. I think what Miami does really well for all of us on this call is given us a foundation to go show up in any space and give it a really great effort with a really great attitude. And I've learned you can be a leader in a space that you you might not even feel like you know very well. You, you kind of grow into it and become your own. And, and that's where you diversify yourself. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rachel. I really appreciate your perspective, especially since, you know, after you choose your first career, it's not like that's it. You still are growing in that position. So that's really helpful to hear, um, especially when it feels like it's all or nothing when you're leaving college. I'm going to kind of next pass it on over to Jose. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a first generation college student. So one, I didn't really know what college like consisted of what opportunities were like available. I just sort of knew the class component to things. And so I really stumbled upon student affairs in my time at Miami. And I like to credit Wilkes with that for getting me my first foot in the door to sort of learn about leadership development and working with different offices. And then when I became a soul, really like, I was like, okay, I could maybe do this forever. And so I just fell in love with the field. And I was like, how do I do this as a job? And Liz Walsh um, over in the Office of Orientation and Transition Programs was like, funny enough, there is a job, like that's how you do what I do. So much like Rachel, like I had really good mentors um, in Wilkes, um, whether it was Eric or Kathy or Courtney, Peter, Aaron, like they all were great at like guiding me along the way. Um, everyone in OTP being super supportive and showing me the ropes and letting me know like this was something that was possible and walking me through what graduate school would look like. That was not anything that I had ever considered. And like Rachel was saying too, like Miami is just a very special place and can help prepare you for a lot of different things. And I really loved Miami and the things that they were doing so much so that like I'm on year seven right now and transitioning into different roles has really helped keep it really fresh. And so I would say, yeah, just the division of student life did a whole lot to set me up so that I could become a professional staff member in the division that had given me a whole lot in my undergraduate experience. Yeah. So I actually came into college just knowing I liked science, but not really realizing you could do more with science than just being a pre-med student. So I came in biology pre-med, like aiming for med school. And then freshman or sophomore year, I realized that really wasn't for me. And I shouldn't be on that track because it wasn't the right fit. And I studied abroad the summer after my sophomore year in Luxembourg. And I took an educational psychology class there, 
where we went into classrooms in Finland. And like, I got really into that like education and like child development portion of psychology. And that's when I decided to add the neuroscience portion of my degree on. Um, I was also a Spanish minor the whole time. And so somehow my brain put together the biology. So like the human development component with the psychology part of neuroscience and the Spanish linguistics part. And here I am studying bilingual language development in children now, which I really love. But another thing that my undergraduate experience did that helped prepare me for applying to grad school and getting into a PhD program, I had professors and other mentors that were supportive of research and like also provided me, well, provided me opportunity to be involved with research, but also to be a TA and get teaching experience too. So those were really helpful and made me more confident starting grad school. Jordan, I want to dive a little deeper into that TA experience that you have and how you still apply your leadership as a student teacher and being involved with a whole department like that. Um, And I know you and I work together a lot on the workshop that our students are learning about right now with a bunch of leadership theories. Is there anything specific from those leadership theories that you took away or tried to implement into your own leadership style that you still use today? Yeah, I think there's actually a lot. And I was trying to brainstorm a bit before this to try to like narrow it down a bit. But Thinking of like the TA experience I had and just like experience working with students, I feel like I really leaned into starting in Miami and now continuing as a grad student into a few areas of leadership that I learned about in Wilkes. Specifically, like I lean into my strengths a lot when I'm teaching very heavily with developer positivity and empathy, just trying to like create a good classroom experience, but also like making students feel like they're supported and comfortable. And that could be teaching or again, like when I'm supervising students in my lab. Another thing from like leadership theory that I think about a lot and try to incorporate in my grad school experience is Values-based leadership, one of my favorite things at Wilkes that I used to do were workshops on trash your values. I'm not sure if it's still called that, but um, that was my favorite one to do because I also just love the self-reflection of it. Because for me, if I'm working towards something and it aligns my values, it's going to be a lot easier for me to lead others. And then that also connects to um, some of my favorite areas of the student leadership challenge, which are encourage the heart and also inspire shared vision. So like if you know who you are and why you're doing something, that's what's going to drive you to lead others and to reach that overall goal. That's a really good overview of a lot of the different parts of your Wilkes experience that still apply to what you are doing today and where you want to go in the future. And that actually connects a little bit to what I wanted to ask Jose about, which was that you started out at Wilkes and that's how you learned about what a career in higher education would look like. You were a soul. You've been in positions where you have focused on fostering belonging at Miami University. And now as an RD, you still are focused on fostering belonging within this industry of higher education. And so I'm really interested to hear a bit more about how you apply your leadership style to be a positive role model for the students that you interact with through your role. Yeah, for sure. And that's such a good question, too. And I like to think that like the roots that I planted in Wilkes are what helped prepare me to do what I'm doing today. And so 
I lean a lot into my strengths for sure. So like Jordan, I also have developer. Um, I also have relator, which I lean into to sort of connect with students and get them where they're where they need to be. But I lean mostly into authentic leadership. I find that is where I can comfortably say, like, this is the leadership style that I like to say that I operate in and incorporate in and try to encourage in my staffs that I've had along the way and with my residents as well, just because I think it can sort of encapsulate everything. It's sort of a, a cop-out in a way because, you know, like authentic leadership, you can take all the best elements from servant leadership or strengths-based leadership and sort of say it's your own unique spin on leadership. And I just, I love that. And it's about bringing your identities forward as well. And so by being my most authentic self and being able to share vulnerably about my experiences at Miami, struggles with sense of belonging and things like that as well. Um, You can connect with the students and by letting your guard down and being vulnerable, it encourages them to sort of open up there as well. And once you make that connection, it's sort of easy to, to bring out the rest. Like sure, there might be some bumps in the road along the way, but being your authentic self and encouraging that in other people um, allows you to build that sense of belonging, find that sense of connection and encourage them to find spaces where they can be their best selves as well. It's great to see how you apply a lot of those authentic leadership styles and how that works uniquely for you. I know you mentioned, and so did Jordan mention strengths, and we use those a lot still today. Uh, and Rachel, I know that you use those and are trained in strengths coaching. And I want to get your take on a little bit more of the corporate environment and how you're able to use a leadership style that's versatile. Maybe you adapt it to your corporate settings. But how do you see leadership being implemented differently in a corporate setting as opposed to when you're we're spending your time at Miami? Or how do you see leadership being implemented differently from your time in Wilkes to when you're spending time with the Center for Business Leadership in the business setting? Yeah, that's that's an awesome question. And honestly, this has kind of been the, the definition of the last year of my life. I you know graduated and I was so excited to, you know, take strengths with me in the Goldman Sachs because Either one, in my mind, they already knew what strengths-based leadership was, and two, if they didn't, every organization should have it, right? And and so I started to navigate get, getting to know my manager and meeting the stakeholders, and and I proposed, you know, bringing you know a workshop series for our analyst population to Goldman, and you just immediately hit red tape. And of course, large corporations are very different than startup companies, and and you have different ways of looking at things. But I very quickly learned that. We're talking about a you know 150 year old organization that has a very rooted sense of what they do, what leadership looks like to them, and you know this junior person coming in thinking they're going to change the world for the compliance analyst population, a little overambitious on my part. So I had to kind of take a step back and realize like Miami is in the theoretical world and it's teaching you all of these fantastic theories and practices, but best case scenario, right? Like you can sit in a management class and talk about engagement and what's the best way to engage your employees. And then you go into a corporation and you why do we have such high attrition or why can't we retain people? Like I learned this in my employee engagement class, why aren't we doing it? And so I really had to kind of lower expectations at first and figure out how I can kind of make my unique mark. And over, you know, eight months of trying to push the agenda with my manager and senior leaders in compliance in Salt Lake City, where I work, they finally, you know, gave me our compliance analyst network to run and said, okay, you clearly have a passion for people development. You go figure this out now. We don't want to do it. 
So you, you have to be so persistent and play the long game in, in the corporate world. And I really had to take a step back and appreciate that while I learned so many great theoretical lessons at Miami, you know, that add in the layers of generational differences and organizational history, and it doesn't always work out the way that it does in the classroom. And so play the long game and stay firm with your, you know, your values and your principles and your purpose, and people will trust you. And as they build up trust and, and identify that you're a competent team player, they'll hand over responsibility. And that's where you can start shape it how you want. So now, even though we can't do strengths at Goldman, we we're doing a values exercise in a few months, you know, the genesis of Wilkes and focus of leadership development and how do you make it your own? I think that's an awesome point um, that you make, especially as it applies to our students learning about leadership theory right now. You learn about theory and it gives you this good, you know, mathematical equation on how to implement it, but it's never really how it's going to be implemented in the real world. Yeah. So first of all, thank you all so much for your willingness to share your experiences, especially how your undergraduate education has related to what you are doing post-grad. And just kind of going into our final question, I want to say that each of you is a leader and has been a role model. You've been role models to myself and Tyler when we were both sophomores joining this office. Seems like a while ago. And so I want to understand a little bit better before we close, is there a leadership style that you see in a role model that you strive to emulate and integrate into your own leadership style? Honestly, I, I'm going to say this is a really terribly cliche answer, but nobody. And that in the last year of my life, I've gathered a lot of things I don't want to be in a leader, things that I don't want to do when I'm in the position to lead a team of people and, and be a positive influence on someone's career and development. And I really think we all can look back on those managers or supervisors or mentors we've had that really push you in the right direction. And you think the world of those people, but you almost remember more strongly the people that made that path a little bit more challenging for you. And you start to kind of create the mental checklist of, okay, when I'm in this position, that's not what I want to do. And so as a very junior person still, I don't, I don't have the ability to steer as I would like to, but I can do really great work and I can put the list of things together of the person I want to be and the person I don't want to be for those people when my time comes. Yeah. Thinking about a role model, it's not exactly like what Rachel said, because I think I can, I look to my advisor because in my PhD program, I work under one professor the whole time. She supports me through my thesis, dissertation, research lab. I'm in one of her classes right now. So I'm with her all the time. So I do look up to her, but it is where I can see the qualities of leadership that I want to also meet. And then I also see ways that I want to be different. I admire that my advisor, she's very motivated. She's really involved in academic communities. And that's something I want to do in my future academic career. She also gives positive feedback, but is not afraid to be pretty constructive. That can sometimes be a bit much, but I relate to it because I lean into my maximizer strength. That's another one of my top five. So I lean into that and it, it does push me to reach my full potential and achieve higher things. So I appreciate that. But some areas that I think I would want to be different include like relationship building within my lab, because as I talked about, a lot of my like strengths are very relationship focused. And I think that will be an area that I want to like emphasize when I'm a professor, hopefully. Um, when I have my own lab, hopefully. But just, yeah, being authentic. Another thing is that in the academic environment, especially with researchers, people can become very 
focused on their own individual achievement. So looking at mentors in the academic community, trying to make sure that, sure, I want to be published and reach those goals too, but I also want to make sure I'm focusing on like being involved in committees and yeah, keeping that relationship building piece for that reason, because I'm not just an individual, but part of the larger group. So I'm going to throw it back to one of my mentors that I've had since fifth grade. Um, His name is Jason Reed. He started this um, Saturday program for inner city youth to essentially like sort of catch up and help them get admitted into the high school that I ended up going to. And so I've known this guy since I was in fifth grade. He helped me all the way through high school and, and college as well. And things that I looked up to him about were his ability to sort of be authentic for one, right? So he was one of only a few people of color on staff at the high school doing work to sort of level the playing field for for students of color um, in the inner city of Cleveland so that we could go to this private high school. And while we were at the high school, also worked to retain us there because, I mean, in a lot of respects, it's like a, a little mini Miami in that like there's few people of color and it's harder to to retain or find that sense of belonging on campus. And so he always did a really good job of making us feel heard and acknowledging like the struggles that we had um, while also behind the scenes, like pushing the boundaries and trying to make the school a more equitable and inclusive place. And so I think about him a lot now um, that I'm hiring my own staff, that I'm working with students in these capacities um, in the climate that we are currently um, in and with the things that Miami does need to work on as well. And so I think about him a lot and what he did in the high school setting and trying to think about how I can make my staffs more inclusive, how I can sort of push the boundaries here at Miami a little bit to make the university as a whole more equitable and inclusive as well. And so that's something that I really appreciate about him. And as we've sort of grown together, like he's been able to let me peek behind the curtain a bit more and adjust like our level of our relationship and what details and and things that he pushes back on so that I can sort of get an understanding of like how things work systematically and that it's a long game. Like it's a long game, like Rachel was saying, like you can't just come into like just because I'm a professional staff member now doesn't mean I magically get to flip a switch and change everything that I don't like about like the institution of higher education or things like that. Like it's a long game and it takes time. And I don't think I really appreciated the time that he ended up cultivating to like have a program like that and get people through that high school and into college. And so I try to emulate that with him and in my role now. Yeah, Jose, thank you so much for sharing and explaining how that mentor has helped you frame what you're doing now. And also showing a little bit about how that relationship with that mentor has changed over time and how you are seeing ways to integrate that type of leadership into your own experience now in your professional career. I really appreciated having all of you on the podcast today just to talk about your experiences and how your time at Miami has shaped where you are and where you're also headed into the future. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thanks. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thanks. It's been so great to see all you again. Well, thank you again for joining us on this podcast. We hope our listeners are able to see the wide array of leadership styles that can play out in very different, but all very successful career paths. 
Drawing comparisons between leadership theory and how you implement your personal leadership style can help guide you to be the best leader that you can be.